Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to take them and open them up to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, as we are continuing to walk through the Sermon on the Mount, we have spent several weeks walking through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and uh, we have this week and then next, and then we will be done uh, with the Sermon on the Mount and be moving in a different direction. We've been trying to answer this question, how do Christians live or how should Christians live in an unchristian world? Uh, certainly these disciples, as they were gathered on that hillside that day, they wouldn't have called the world Christian or unchristian, uh, but they knew that Jesus was preaching a gospel. And this pro- proclamation of the gospel was the way they were supposed to live their lives. And they knew that it was going to run contrary to the way society lived. And that's what Jesus has been preparing them for. As he began by teaching them that they should be the salt and the light of the world, he's telling them they ought to be different than the world that they live in. As he talks about the condition of their heart and their mind and the integrity of their steps, he's, he's telling them the way that they live should be different than the world around them. For 5, 6, and chapter 7, Jesus has been giving us instructions in how to live. And we recognize that every step of the way, the thing that Jesus has asked of us is difficult. Everything that Jesus is asking of his disciples in this Sermon on the Mount is hard to do. And so today, we have what most call the postscript, the ending or the conclusion of this statement of this Sermon on the Mount. He's going to kind of wrap everything up into one conclusion. He's going to tell us that the way that we walk in our lives, it is determined by what we claim in our hearts. In other words, we can live this way only if we belong to Jesus. We can make a difference in the world as Christians only if we are, in fact, Christians. Jesus is going to kind of wrap this statement up and this sermon up by reminding us that we need salvation in Christ, that we need to be being sanctified as we walk in Him. And ultimately, as a result of our Christian life on this earth, we will experience a touch of heaven. When we see Him face to face, we will be glorified in His presence. It is the path of our salvation that Jesus is going to lay out before us this morning. So let's look, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13. We're going to read all the way through verse 23. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13, and then through verse 23. These statements are going to be statements that you are familiar with. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from thorn bushes? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray together. God, these are, Lord, in fact, difficult sayings to your disciples. And God, as you have encouraged us over the last several weeks, Lord, to live as Christians, God, even, even when the world around us seems unchristian, Lord, we come here, Lord, and we are called again to some difficult, some difficult task to choose the narrow way, to be fruit producers, God. Lord, help us as we hear this message this morning to be reminded, Lord, that truly if we're going to make a difference in an unchristian world, we must, we must be sure, Lord, that we are in fact Christians, that we are in fact your disciples, and we are living according to the desires of your heart for your disciples. So this morning, Lord, help us, God. Let your Holy Spirit convict us in areas where we are failing you, God, and help your Holy Spirit encourage us in areas where we ought to be encouraged. And Lord, help your Holy Spirit, Lord, to challenge us in areas where we need to be corrected. Lord, use these three passages, Lord, this postscript of the Sermon on the Mount, God, to challenge us not only individually, but also as a people of God, Lord. Challenge us, Lord, to make a difference in the world in which we live, in the community in which we reside, Lord. And even, God, in the houses, in the houses in which we dwell. Help us, God, to make a difference. Help us to make a difference. We pray and ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Again, these three sections of Scripture, you may not have understood them to be together or to be read together as I have, but what Jesus is doing in all three of these paragraphs is he is reminding us about this call that we have as his disciples. Certainly, he's already told them that there's a manner in which they ought to live, and we recognize that. As followers of Christ, there's a manner in which we ought to live. Our salvation doesn't come as a result of that manner in which we live, but since we are saved... There's a standard by which Jesus expects his disciples to live. But before he continues teaching on that standard, he calls them first and foremost to be certain that they have made that decision. That is a decision to follow him. That's the first thing I want you to see, that there is in all of our lives and even in the lives of these disciples, there is a point of decision. Jesus contrasts these two ways. He says there is a narrow way that is difficult and there is a broad way that is easy. This narrow way, it is the way that leads to life. It is the way of Jesus Christ himself. It's the easy way or the broad way that leads to destruction. Certainly Jesus is reminding those disciples on that hillside that day that if they are going to be his followers, they must make the decision to take the narrow path. Now, for us, if we're going to win friends and influence people or if we're going to make a difference in the world, this seems counterintuitive to the way that we would do it. 
None of us would invite someone to be on our team, but before we invited them to be on our team, tell them, but hey, this is going to be the difficult way. This way is not going to be any fun. It's not going to be much pleasure in this way. This is the narrow path. You can take the easy path because there is an easy path, but the way that we're going to take, it's difficult, it's hard, and it is narrow. This is not the way that we would recruit a team, but it's the way Jesus is recruiting his disciples. He's telling them, you need to make a decision which path you're going to take but before you do recognize the path of Jesus it's a hard path it's a difficult path you see Jesus wouldn't just leave it here you know Jesus would continue to teach his disciples as they walked with him, as they saw him make miraculous healings. They saw blind be made to be able to see and lame be able to walk, the deaf to be able to hear. They would see these miraculous things, but always Jesus would remind them, but you need to know this is the difficult way. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 8, just one chapter over, as Jesus is starting his ministry, in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 18, we have that wonderful passage of Scripture where Jesus looks his disciples in the face and he tells them, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And one of his disciples said to him, but Jesus, first, before I follow you, first, before we begin this journey, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says to him, no, you let the, de the dead bury the dead. And you must come and you must follow me. Jesus was immediately reminding his disciples again that the path of discipleship, the path of following Jesus, the path of being called one of his children, we need to hear this. It is a difficult path. It is a difficult journey. You see, if we're going to be salt and light in the world, it means we're going to live contrary to the world. If we're going to make sure that our heart and our minds are pure, it means we're going to live contrary to the world. If we are going to be men and women of godly integrity, it is certainly going to mean that we are going to live contrary to the world. You see, Jesus wants all of his disciples to know this at the very front end. You need to make a decision who you're going to follow. If you're going to follow me, know up front this is going to be a war. It's going to be a battle. Some of us may not think about our spiritual lives in that way, but I want you to know the life that you live as a follower of Christ, it is war. Satan, he has claimed war on your life. He desires nothing more than to kill you, steal from you, and to devour you. That's what Satan desires. But if you're going to be one of Jesus' disciples, you have to claim war on Satan. If you're going to be one of his followers, if you're truly going to make a difference in this world as a Christian, you need to recognize that it's going to cost you something. Jesus wants his disciples to understand that they must make a decision. Do you want to go by the narrow way or do you want to go by the wide way? It seems counterintuitive in the way that we would recruit a team, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew that what these disciples were going to face was going to be difficult, and he wanted them to be sure and prepared for the battle. You see, you must make that decision. No one can make that decision for you. Jesus couldn't make it for his disciples. I can't make it for our church people. You can't make it for your children, and children, your parents can't make it for you. You've got to determine you must decide if you want to be a disciple of Christ 
or if you want to be a man of the world. We have to determine if we want to take the narrow, difficult path that leads to life or the easy, broad path that will lead ultimately to our destruction. Are you willing, Jesus says, as he looks to those disciples on that hillside, them having heard every bit of instruction he's offered so far, he looks to them and says, are you willing to take the narrow, difficult path? This is going to be a journey of war. Are you willing to walk with me on it? And each of us, we also must make that decision, a point of decision Jesus calls them to. Secondly, he reminds them also that there is an expectation in their lives that there will be a production of fruit. Look at what he says in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thorn bushes? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Then look at verse 20. Thus you will recognize them, Jesus says, by their fruits. Jesus, looking to those disciples on that hillside, he tells them to consider, are you going to take the broad path, the easy way, or are you going to take the narrow path, the difficult way? And then he says, the truthfulness of your decision will be known. The truthfulness of your decision, of which way you will go, it will be seen by your fruits. There is an expected production of fruit for those that follow Christ. Those who claim to be disciples of Jesus, whose fruit does not indicate good and nourishing, sufficient fruit production, Jesus says they are false prophets. They claim one thing with their lips, but they are in fact something totally different. Now, what I think about when I hear this verse of Scripture where Jesus is telling us about these two men, those who bear good fruit and those who bear bad fruit, I think back on that teaching just a couple of weeks ago that Jesus gave us about judging. You know, that passage of Scripture that the world wants to try to tell us means that we can look to no one's life and make any decisions. I think back on that because here Jesus is in fact telling us, look to a man's life. Do you see that? Look to a man's life. That's the only way that you will be able to tell if they are a sheep or they are a wolf. The only way that will determine whether or not they are a true prophet or a false prophet is the production of the fruit in their lives. Again, Jesus is giving us permission, whether we like it or not, for people to look into our lives and determine whether or not it is producing good fruit or it is producing bad fruit. Yes, Jesus is telling us again to look to someone's life to make the determination of whether or not they truly are disciples of Christ because for the disciple of Jesus, for the disciple of Jesus, there is by Jesus himself an expectation of fruit production. He uses an illustration here that we really don't understand because Jesus was giving it, of course, to disciples that would have understood the plant life in that day, and we don't really understand the plant life of their day. We know what thorns are. We call them sticker bushes in the south, right? That's all we know them by. Actually, when Jesus says here that there are their grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes. You see that in verse 16? 
and figs are not gathered. My translation says thorn bushes. In the original language, there's actually two different words there. So if you have a Christian Standard Bible or a King James Bible, I believe as well, the first word says thorns. It says grapes are not gathered from thorns. And then it says figs are not gathered from thistles is what it says. It's because there's two different, two different plants that Jesus is referring to. This thorn that Jesus is talking about was actually a thorn bush that had upon it a little fruit that looked like it resembled a grape. But when taken, it was obvious it was not a grape. So Jesus says there are people who it's going to appear as if they are producing good fruit. There are people who it's going to appear as if they are good fruit producers, but upon further inspection, you will realize that the fruit is not of good work. It will harm you, as a matter of fact, and it will not nourish you. Thistle. The thistle that Jesus is talking about is a thorn bush that does not produce fruit at all. But they say at a great distance, its flowers looked like the flower of a fig tree. And so as you looked at it from a distance, it looked as if that that was a fig tree, one that would produce fruit. But upon closer inspection, you would see that in fact it was without any fruit and only had thistles or thorns. You see, some of us, listen, this is what Jesus is saying. Some of us at a distance, at a distance we look like we are Jesus's. But upon further inspection, upon closer inspection, we will realize that there is no fruit at all being produced in our lives. You see, we can make the appearance that we belong to Jesus. We can make the appearance that we are his disciples. We can make the appearance that we have everything together according to what Jesus has asked of us, but it will only take further and a closer inspection to realize that all there is in our lives is thorns and thistles, and there is no actual nourishing fruit being produced from our hearts see Jesus is saying listen closely if you're going to make a difference as a Christian in an unchristian world you've got to be more than thorns and thistles you understand if we're going to make a difference as Christians in this unchristian world, we have got to be more than thorns and thistles. We've got to be producing a fruit that is not only visible to those that are around us, but one that is nourishing to the lives of those that we encounter. We've got to be fruit producers if we're going to make a difference in the world in which we live. So Jesus is saying, make a decision. Make a decision. Are you going to live on the narrow way, the discipleship way, or are you going to live on the easy way, the broad street? Does your life reflect the production of fruit that is expected from those who follow him? Jesus is calling these disciples on that hillside that day to make a decision on who they're going to serve. It's one that we've got to make as well. You see, all of these teachings that Jesus has given to us in Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 and Matthew 7, they are only possible. They are only possible if we are His. They're only able to be accomplished if we belong to Him. And so then He says, not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast demons out in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, it's not only a, a point of decision that we've got to come to our production of fruit that is expected in our lives, but we've got to be certain of the promise that has been secured in our life. See, Jesus is clearly telling us here, don't miss this, because this is, to me, beyond the passage of Scripture about the rich young ruler. This is the saddest verse of Scripture in all of the New Testament. Don't miss this, because Jesus is saying, listen how difficult this is. Jesus is saying, there are some, there are some who will claim to know me but upon further inspection, it will be proved that they, in fact, do not. Jesus is drawing us to recognize the reality of hypocrisy within the church. He's drawing us to recognize the reality of the hypocrisy in the lives of those who claim to be his disciples. He's saying, there are some of you that are going to come to me and you're going to say, but I did work in your name, Lord. I prophesied, God. I cast out demons. Look at the many things that I did in your name. And Jesus is saying, just because you know my name does not mean that I know your name. You call out to me, Lord, Lord. Do you see that? You call out to me, Lord, Lord, but I don't know who you are. You see, some people, they are like the thorn and thistle. At a distance, they seem like they've got the promise secured, but upon further inspection, God does not know them at all. You see, if we're going to have a real effect on the world in which we live, if we are really going to be salt and light, if we're going to have pure hearts and pure minds, if we're going to be men and women of godly integrity, if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus, if we're truly going to be all of these things, it's only going to be because we know Jesus' name and he knows our name. See, this is such a simple statement for us, and it's what Jesus is bringing all of this teaching to. The simple statement is that if, if we're going to make a difference in our world as Christians, we must first be Christians. You see, if we're going to make a difference in our world as disciples of Christ, we must first be certain that we are, in fact, disciples of Christ. You see, we can't live as Christians in an unchristian world. You'd be glad you came for this if we're not Christians. But if we truly are Christians, if we have determined to go on the narrow path, we will be producing good fruit, nourishing our community and our world. And then one day we will appear before Jesus and he will look us in the face and he will know who we are and we will know him. Now for the believer... This is an amazing picture, is it not? That there is going to come a moment, not only when we will be in heaven with Jesus, but there's coming a moment, don't miss this, when Jesus is going to look at us, each and every one of us individually, he's going to look us in the face and he is going to say to us, I know you. 
you are mine. See, if the opposite is true, we know that he's going to recognize those who belong to him. The day is going to come when Jesus is going to look at us face to face and he's going to call us by name if we are his disciple. This ought to give us great hope. It ought to give us great encouragement that our, our promise that we have been given by Jesus has been secured. And there is coming a day when we will dwell with him forever and ever and ever. But also, it, also, it should break our hearts to recognize that there are those who are going to peer before Jesus face to face, know his name, and Jesus will not know him. See, what it ought to do for us is it ought to make us want to live as Christians in this unchristian place. It ought to motivate us to show other people the fruitfulness that God can produce in our lives because of a decision that we made to follow him. You know, I, I don't know anybody that I don't know anybody that doesn't want to make a difference. I think we all want to make a difference in the world. We all want to make a difference, even if it's in our family, as I prayed, or if it's in our community, or if it's in our state, and our nation, our world. All of us want to make a difference. But the most positive difference that we can make in all of our world is to be certain we are producing the fruit that Jesus expects from his disciples. You see, many of us, we want to make a positive, conservative difference in our world, we might say. But our desire should be to have a Christ-like influence in a world that needs Jesus more than anything else in our world. All of our problems are solved if we simply accomplish the task that Christ has given us in the Great Commission. It doesn't matter if there are elephants or donkeys if we're doing the work Jesus has called us to. You see, our hope is not inside of November. It's inside of the name of Jesus. That's what he's telling us here. We are called above all to make a difference in the world in which we live. Unfortunately, as a church, not just our church, but as a church as a whole, we have given this responsibility away to someone who should not have it at all. The responsibility to make a positive difference in the created order that God has given to us lays upon his children. It does not lay upon any government. It lays upon us. It is our responsibility. And dear church, it is also our failure when we see it collapsing around us. We are called to make a difference in our world. Those disciples sitting on that hillside, consider it just for a moment. Those disciples on that hillside, we may say 12, but we know really 11. Those 11 men would be responsible for the gospel getting all the way from Jerusalem to Union. Those 11 men, because of the difference they decided to make in the world in which they live as Christians, as little Jesus followers, they made a difference that impacts literally generations that follow them. Generations for like me and generations like you. And we pray to God many, many, many more generations to come will have the opportunity to trust in this same Jesus. 11 disciples on a hillside determined that they were going to live as Christians in an unchristian world. And as a result, we, we have salvation 
through the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. We all want to make a difference in the world. The greatest difference we can make is by deciding to take the narrow path, by producing good fruit and anticipating our day of glorification where we meet Jesus face to face. Three questions to leave you with for our application today. First, we all need to ask ourselves, have we made the decision to follow Jesus? Which, which road are you on? Which path have you taken? Have you taken the broad path or have you taken the narrow path? Seems counterintuitive, but I'll tell you now, the narrow path is difficult. It's harder than the broad way. Living like Jesus is more difficult than living like the world. Living up to the expectations of Jesus is difficult than living up to the expectations of our world. Which decision have you made? Which path will you follow? Secondly, is your life producing fruit so as to indicate that we are in fact His? Are we on this fruit production journey? Can you see good fruit coming from our lives? You see, we need to ask ourselves these questions, not just on Sundays when we cover this passage of Scripture, but each and every day. Am I producing good fruit my positively gospel investing into other people. And thirdly, I didn't put this on the slide. It's my fault. But thirdly, if the day was today that you met Jesus face to face, not would you know him, but would he know you? So this is a big question for us. Jesus desires for us to intimately know him. He desires that for us, to intimately know him. And when we intimately know him, Likewise, he intimately knows us. If the day was today that we met Jesus face to face, would he know you? It's just a simple question, just like the first question. Do you have a relationship with our Lord? Only you can answer those questions. We all want to make a difference in the world in which we live, I think. The greatest difference that we can make is to determine to live as Christians in this unchristian place. And that requires that we live as disciples of Christ. Lord, these are difficult sayings. But God, each and every one of them, Lord, challenge our spiritual walk. They call us to bring into question, Lord, whether or not we have decided to follow Jesus. They call us to question, Lord, whether or not we are truly yours. And God, these are good exercises to walk through. So let your Holy Spirit confirm for us today. God, also, we, we need to ask ourselves if we see fruit production in our lives, Lord, and if not, what we need to change, Lord, so that we can see production of good fruit in the way that we walk. Maybe it's just surrendering to the disciplines of our faith, praying and reading the Word, fasting, meditating, studying. But whatever it is that we need to do to, to begin to be fruit producers, God, let your Holy Spirit draw us and convict us there, Lord. Let us make a decision, Lord. Let us be fruit producers. And then finally, God, be certain that all of us know without a fact, God, that not only do we know your name, but, God, you know our name. That we will see you one day face to face, Lord. And as a result of our intimacy with you, Lord, you will declare that we are your children. Lord, let your Holy Spirit work as we sing, God, as we, as we declare your praises now, Lord, as we worship, God. 
Let your name, Lord, be praised, God, in our hearts and also by our lips. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.